Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer. Well, hello. You have found another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for participating as part of the audience of this podcast, because I know you have lots of podcasts you can choose from. They say there's over 2 million podcasts now out in the world. About 800,000 of them have had a recent episode in the last three months. So that's a lot of choices, and you have put your ears right here on Making Waves at Sea Level. So thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Today, we are going to do another episode with somebody in the cannabis industry because that is an industry that's making waves and shaking things up. It's a legal industry. Some people go, Tom, you're interviewing a lot of cannabis people. Well, what if I was interviewing a lot of Pepsi Cola distributors? Nobody would say anything. Legal industry, but in a world where things are being shook up, different types of products, different types of packaging, etc. And I think we can all learn from entrepreneurs who have to forge new ground. Now, before we get started, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. This episode is brought to you by Stanton Chase International, one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior teams. Full disclosure, I work for Stanton Chase International. All right, so today's episode, we are going to talk to Austin Wood. He is the CEO and the founder of Terp Perps Packaging. And we're going to find out what they do because it's kind of interesting and I don't fully understand exactly why his packaging is making waves and it's special and helping people in the industry create better product, but they are. So what he does is he creates unique packaging with a terpene separation system to help farmers farmers and consumers and providers uh, get the best products possible out there into the world. So Austin... Welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So, Austin, let's start off. What in the world is a terpene separation system, and why does it matter? So, you know, I found myself on sitting on the hill uh, in California, as many would call it, the hill. You know, you're, you're sitting up there manicuring a bunch of cannabis, and, and you're smelling all these different flavors, and you, you drive down these long roads that make no sense. You'd need a special kind of compass. And so, you know, one day it all comes together as many of my friends are asking me about terpenes and I'm seeing these crazy articles with 60 different terpenes. Uh, Many of people have said there's 200 represented terpenes in cannabis. And I realized there is no way in an emerging market making waves, right, that a new consumer could actually understand this without some sort of – imagery that they already understood, right? So when um, you say so, terpenes, are we talking like THC, CBD? Are those terpenes? No. So those are actually cannabinoids. Those are what we know for the psychoactive effects, you know, the, uh, you know, getting high uh, essentially, right? Terpenes are actually just mainly the scent aspect of it, right? Uh, you can go pick a pine tree needle and grind it up in between your fingers and you'll smell pinene. That is a terpene that is also present in cannabis, right? Or get a lemon peel. That's limonene. These are in all uh, vegetables, all herbs, everything we have around us. But in cannabis, 
they assist the cannabinoids, THC, CBD, and these other things to create the high or the unique effect that you're experiencing, right? So, so what is a terpene separation system? What are we doing? What, what, what does your right. packaging do that like just putting it in a, in a Ziploc baggie doesn't? Of course. So, you know, first off, I'll say that we have our own unique wooden packaging. You know, we have a system where we don't use wood glue or nails. It's a bit of a puzzle box, and that's always beautiful. I'm from, I'm up here in Humboldt County. We want to use the wooden, you know, environment and, and overall theme for our packaging. So it is an ultra luxury packaging as it is. We also have up to 60 different vinyls that are all very fun and help others, you know, put them, put their jars into our flavor system, which is in short, this, it assists people to put it in eight identifiable flavors that we already know in food and other things uh, around the world, be it chemicals or, uh, you know, many different unique flavors of cannabis uh, to understand it easier and be able to select the correct thing for our use, right? More, more often than not. So it's interesting because I know very little about the business, although I'm learning and, and I know uh, that, you know, I work for an executive search firm and the growing, the larger growing companies have a lot of need for people. So I'm trying to learn the business because there's going to be a lot of people uh, that need to be placed into that industry. But why do the flavors matter? So the flavors matter because of what I had said uh, prior, right? Which was the entourage effect of all the cannabinoids and the unique terpenes in this specific strain, right? This specific type of, think of it, a type of pepper. Just like that, there are types of cannabis, right? There are uh, indica strains and sativa strains. That's the main way people understand it to be separated. But what we're finding is that is just a way of saying simpler that these terpenes in general are present in these strains and these and these and they cause certain effects be it to be sleepy or awake or you know more creative more relaxed uh many have anti-inflammatory antiseptic uh and other qualities so that's why terpenes and having a system that's easier to sort it through will assist uh the end user to pick what works for them right Fascinating. It's an interesting, it's an interesting business for sure. So what led you to become an entrepreneur? What got you into this business? Um, you know, I always say in short, the way that I became an entrepreneur was I dated the right guy's daughter. He, uh, my original mentor, Albert Sanilo started an amazing healthcare technology company called CareCloud in front of me during that time. And then from there, I went on to work in business incubators and I, I stuck in the tech atmosphere. But what made me come out here was I had colitis, uh, which is an inflammatory issue of the colon. And I said, okay, I'm done doing these tech ideas. I'm done with that. I want something that, can, that has affected my life. And uh, if you know anything about colitis, cannabis can assist it. And it, you want its assistance as quickly as possible. Um, yeah. So from what I understand, you want some assistance, no matter where it's coming from, as quickly yes, as possible. Right, right, right. And it's it's great that you know cannabis gave me the option to not go the steroid route in those many things. So it had touched me personally, and I knew that Humboldt County and and the many other places, even though I was on the East Coast, I knew that that was the place I needed to go, and that when I got there, the idea would come. And sure enough, sitting on the hill 
after working for many business incubators and hundreds of ideas, uh, you know, my time came to put my idea together, right? Um, and this is what has shown up two, two or so years later, right? So two and a half years ago, you started with the idea. You officially launched the business a year ago. So what's the last year been like? What have you had to do? What have you accomplished? How have you made waves? Certainly. We've, we've been blessed to work with a, a lot of large brands in the Bay Area. Um, Midzotics is one. He, uh, he has been working with a bunch of celebrities with our boxes. They've been using that as a system to deliver their different flavors. We've been blessed to work with dispensaries in the area who find it to be, especially during COVID, such a great option for both moving product that has been either sitting around, isn't able to be seen directly, right? Many had drive up, uh, you know, or delivery options. So what they would do instead is they would walk out to the car with eight flavors and say, hey, this is my favorite citrus, my favorite candy, my favorite fruity, and so on along the system. And that would give it both a more personal aspect, allow them to showcase certain brands, and gave them the ability to still get out there and, you know, have something in front of someone when they weren't able to show up in the store. Um, And vice versa, many brands use it to sell their product, right? Uh, And they've been doing much better than their partners when you walk in with a, you know, curated box with either the dispensary's brand, the distribution company's brand, or whoever it is on there, let's say that maybe opens up a better conversation, right? So for everybody who's listening, Austin just held up a beautiful wooden box that showed exactly what it was. We're an audio podcast, but we're filming it with video. So I got to see, he held it up and it was like, yeah, nobody has any idea what he just held up. But so what has been your favorite part of starting this business? What's been the cool thing? Right. Uh, the cool thing is definitely building the boxes, right? Of course, it's it's sometimes a pain to get all the different pieces organized. There's about 30 different pieces in each box. And, you know, so it's, it takes a lot to get it all lined up. But once you're really putting together, you know, 100 or 200, 300 of these boxes and you see the, the pile stacking almost in a, you know, in a time-lapse t- style way, Uh, It really feels great. And then delivering it and seeing it actually be used as a tool to assist novice users. And that's what it is. It it makes their experience more replicable, right? Uh, That word's always terribly difficult to say. But, you know, uh, it makes it more able to happen time and time again where they have a truly effective experience. So I love seeing it in the field and building it. So is the box being used as like a marketing thing in the dispensaries or is the box something the consumer's buying the whole box and taking it home? We've seen both. So uh, we've seen dispensaries offering this as a solution where, great, you purchase this box that has their logo and our logo on it. Uh, you know, they're able to use the system themselves. They're able to bring it over to a friend's house. Don't get me wrong. At, at, when I have seen these in the field, everybody is surrounded around the box, Right. And they're all learning. So it, it goes both ways as a consumer product and as an actual tool. Uh, many consumers have found a way to turn it into a tool, right, where they can use it for their business or whatnot. Um, it, it is a little bit of both. I, I, I would say, though, many dispensaries use it as a refill tool, right? You purchase the box and then you get a certain discount, get a flavor rotation program going, something of that nature. So who would have thought when it came to cannabis, we would have the flavor of the month that you could get. So, 
So what have you loved about this whole process? What have you loved about entrepreneurship and getting this started and getting your product out there and seeing it in the field? What's, what's been the best part? Uh, the best part is the humbling that has happened in the process, right? I had worked as an entrepreneur in residence at a, the business incubator I spoke about in the past. And, you know, I had so many ideas of the actual process and then going into it, right? You know, you you go to prototype something and you don't realize that you don't have the right file. So you have to go speak to a whole nother industrial designer. You have to go get a new logo format done just to be able to engrave the many hoops and the many things that I thought I knew fully how to do by doing them with companies prior, but that now I've, you know, I've learned step-by-step, okay, you have to go through these hurdles. You have to go through these processes of realizing what is good for your time and what is not, what's best to hire professionals for, it's been a true humbling and, uh, you know, very educational process throughout. So I just love the, the experience of the ups and downs, you know? Well, and you said an interesting thing that a lot of people may not have thought about, but you had to redo your logo because you wanted your logo engraved in the wood on the box. And therefore the logo you had wasn't engravable. That's something that people may not have thought of if they have a software product that they're just going to print a label for. They may not have thought, hey, I have to redo my whole logo. That's just, that's just an interesting little anecdote. Certainly. And, and we've, we've learned about, you know, with that in mind, right, we've learned about the customization process as a whole and how to take an ultra luxury product that has a production limitation, right? I can only make a certain amount of these until I reach scale. We're, we're getting there now, but, you know, before that we did. And how do I choose the best client, the best, you know, how do I be the best provider and, you know, how do I avoid those little slip ups like, oh, wow, we're going to have to spend $150 to get this logo converted. And I've only done one quantity box. Well, I just made no money. Right. Or, you know, but but you got to finish the deal or whatever it is. Right. So interesting, interesting question. So you started off, you went to college, you started off working around technology, software, et cetera. You had ideas, you were entrepreneur in residence. Uh, you had ideas of starting some sort of a tech thing. How do you get from a tech thing to creating wooden boxes in the cannabis industry? Right, so I always laugh, of course, my last name is Wood. So, you know, the, the idea is always there. Um, but, but of course, I, I come over here and I realize, you know, many of the, wine boxes or the uh, food boxes that we're currently seeing uh, are, are not represented in the cannabis space in the least bit, unless it's an old humidor that, you know, just doesn't really necessarily fit the context of cannabis, right? It's, it's clearly reshaped from cigar box to that. So I have so many different experiences seeing that everybody has that box, Right. Everybody has. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the I'm, th- I'm thinking of the cigar industry has always come in wooden boxes. I mean, going back hundreds of years and high end wine, I received a gift from somebody who was a guest on my show and they said, I really enjoyed doing it. And they were, we talked about wine. They were a wine connoisseur and they sent me a bottle of wine and it came in a, I don't know if it was custom, but it came in a pretty nice, I still use the box to put things in, uh, right. came in a really nice box. So we've seen it in those industries. Why wouldn't you see it here as, as the right, industry grows? Why wouldn't grows? you see it here? And, and you know, the, the real reason I, the only reason I could find was that there was not a good enough uh, 
assembly method of, okay, there are these eight flavors that make sense. We can recreate this experience each month, right? Like you were saying, there would be eight flavors each month uh, around our Canna Compass system. And these things could be could be sent as a gift from, okay, these are all Humboldt County sun-grown cannabis, right? This is all indoor cannabis, but we're recreating the system. And why would the industry not want that, right? Well, and there's no legacy industry. I mean, there is obviously a legacy industry around cannabis, but not a legal legacy industry. And yet, if you look at cigars and you look at the production of wine, both of them go back hundreds and hundreds of years, both at the consumer level and that luxury level. And so all of a sudden you have an industry that one of the reasons I interview so many people from your industry is it's very true that that everybody who works in and around cannabis has to be making waves because everything's new. The regulations are changing. Uh, new customers are coming online because states are, and countries are legalizing it. Uh, it's, it's sort of the wild, wild west. So there isn't that legacy of like, you know, I mean, thinking back to, you know, people who would just buy it from, you know, someone on the corner, you know, right. it came, it came in a, in a sandwich baggie. It did not right. come in a luxury packaging. And uh, you know, I, I don't know of any stories where it was luxury packaged 30 years ago. Right. So you don't have somebody will call me and say, Tom, but you're wrong, but you don't well, have a legacy industry in that manner. And so it's interesting that you have taken this on. Are there other people? I interviewed another package maker, but they make like bottles and bags and stuff that are just, they're, they're very utility. Is there anybody else making luxury packaging in this industry? You know, there are smaller woodworkers that are definitely doing their part to make a box with no flavor system or things like that. And I don't want to take away from their craft. It's a different type of craft, right? But I have not seen anyone in the packaging space attempting to focus with a system or attempting to, you know, assist the end consumer in this way uh, to both have a luxury product and be able to get the assistance and, and, you know, relation with different farms, relation with other people using these products as well. That's part of our, our uh, pitch as well. You know, you're part of a group of people attempting to simplify this process that can be so mystifying and so, you know, mind boggling when you really sit down to, to look at terpenes and cannabinoids. So Austin, I have more questions for you, but first I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you, like all of them, by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like Austin Wood. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Austin, let's step away for a second from the cannabis industry, just business in general. What advice do you have for someone who wants to forge out on their own, start their own product or service uh, and be an entrepreneur? Well, you know, I, I, I don't want to have any plugs to any any sort of systems or whatnot, but what I would say is work with professionals, right? Uh, as to the best of your ability, of course, everybody has budgetary constraints and many real things, but 
when you come up against a problem such as prototyping a new industrial design type for these wooden boxes I was making, don't spend eight months of your valuable time as an entrepreneur where you could be spending it on business planning and marketing and other things like this. Don't spend it trying to be the prototyper, right? And trying to get the best deal um, with the cheapest consultant, you know, go to platforms, uh, you know, work congregation platforms like Upwork, Fiverr, these many different platforms and find professionals who are wanting to assist in this specific thing. Uh, if it takes you a week to get the message correct to send to them, take that week. It will save you eight months and maybe $10,000 or, or, you know, whatever it will, it will play out. Right. So let's talk about your industry. So what are some of the roadblocks and hardships that exist in, in this growing and changing industry of cannabis? Certainly. Well, first and foremost is banking and any sort of financial representation, right? Uh, even as a cannabis packaging provider, I am not allowed to bank in the United States because I provide more than 80% of my services to cannabis business. Guys, I make wooden boxes. This, you know, this is a... A, and and how, many, how much cash is going around the country that is not protected, not able to be stored correctly? Um, you know, there, the many pitfalls of not giving us banking is, is first and foremost the biggest issue, right? So it's interesting. Um, like I said, I interviewed another uh, large-scale package manufacturer, and, and that was sort of the same answer to a similar question. And he told a story about, you know, having stuff made over in China and having the entire shipment on a boat confiscated, uh, you know, by the government, even though it was just bags and vials and it took him like six months to get the packaging out. And Correct. in a way that is kind of ridiculous, especially when we have legalized this in almost half the States. Right. I, I definitely, uh, I definitely dealt with getting kicked off of, uh, Wells Fargo and many other banking platforms because only, because I purchased a, a jar that was referencing that it could be for the cannabis industry, right? I was purchasing jars just for my boxes, and similar, similarly, I, I was held up waiting for 100 boxes worth of jars, over, over 1,000 jars, and had clients waiting for me, and I was just twiddling my thumb saying, sorry, guys, I, I really cannot do everything. The boxes are all built, but we don't have the packaging for it. Uh, that's that that that's I mean that is fascinating. Any other challenges or changes around regulations around all legalization across the country? What what else do you see going on? Right. So around legalization uh, around the country, uh, if you ask me, the number one thing we could do is open up interstate supply chain. Um, you know, it will create a more competitive market for everyone. It will begin to. Uh, distinguish certain areas, call them the Napa Valley of cannabis. You know, yeah. for me, that's, if you ask me, that's Humboldt County. There's nowhere better in the country that grows better outdoor grown cannabis, which what we will see is that uh, the energy consumption of indoor cannabis is simply not able to happen in the long run, right? Uh, it looks pretty, it's great, but at what cost to our environment, at what cost to the end consumer? So interstate uh Commerce will open this up. It will give these farmers that aren't as marketable, aren't as, uh, you know, ready to jump into the national conversation, the actual microphone just by the quality 
of their product, and that benefits the end consumer always. So do you think there's going to be 50-state legalization anytime soon? Uh, I'm not allowed to speak about my previous security job at a very large facility, but there were large uh, tobacco executives showing up, uh, and that is enough for me to know that if they feel safe at our facilities and they're coming and asking uh, certain questions to the founders, we are close to federal legalization because there is no way they would tie their money up in a way that would uh, disrupt multiple billion dollars of tobacco uh, business. No and, names. And from what I understand from the research that I've been doing, big tobacco and big pharma and uh, uh, big alcohol yes. all are spending a lot of money getting ready for this because they're all trying to figure out how they can be the ones who who, who get in. So I've, I've heard similar type stuff that there is uh, those three businesses are all like just chomping to go in and take over the little guys. Certainly. And many of them are already understanding of the supplier pharma relationship, right? They get how to have mass amounts of agriculture created to then distill it down into XYZ product. These companies are coming for this industry, opening up interstate, giving banking, these things, will allow the small-time producer, the small-time grower, and let's be real, small-time grower comparatively to a large agriculture you know, tobacco company is even 50,000 square feet. That's still small-time comparatively to acres and acres of greenhouses that we've seen recreated in, in Canada, um, many of which have turned belly up, right? Those industries are looking, but this plant definitely has a way of setting correct the uh, large providers that don't treat it with the consciousness it may deserve. So, you know, we'll see how the big players do. Well, and I'm sure all the beverage companies, they know about distribution, right? So I'm sure everybody's got their eyes on, on, on all areas of this. So it's going to be a fascinating industry to watch. There are certainly waves being made. I'm sure there will be mistakes made as different states go in and, and try to do things differently, but probably having some sort of a, of a, of a similar federal policy would probably be really good for the industry as long as it's not stupid federal policy, which that could happen too, I guess. Right. All right. So Austin, if somebody's listening to this and they're just interested in the packaging that they're making, or maybe they want to get into the industry and you sound like someone who they could talk to since you've gone down this path, how do people find you? Right. So they can uh, find us on Instagram at terpperps, T-E-R-P-P-E-R-P-S or www.terpperps.com. Again, T-E-R-P-P-E-R-P-S. They'll find our can of compass flavor system. They'll find our boxes. They'll find uh, probably this interview on, on our website and on the, the Instagram. So thank you. Awesome. And if you uh, are listening to the show, thank you for listening to the show. If you're interested in this industry, this is probably the fifth or sixth interview I've done. You can go through and search the archives going back to last fall. Uh, we've interviewed a lot of interesting people who are making waves in this industry and many other industries. So please check out all of the archives of, the, of this show. And if you like the show, go tell a friend. People who find the show tell me I found it because someone told me about it. Uh, it was interesting and uh, I liked it. So uh, yeah, I like those reviews that all podcasters ask for. Go to Apple. Go to Spotify, leave a five-star review. Yes, my ego would love that. But more importantly, if you like the show, tell a friend. It's the way people find it. We're going to be back in a couple of days with somebody just as cool as Austin Wood. And you're thinking, what? How will you ever find anybody that cool? Well, we do it every Tuesday and Thursday right here on Making Waves at Sea Level. So go on out there and have a great day. 
Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.